welcome to Tipping the Balance. Today we hear from the wonderful Hannah Palamara. Hannah shares her incredible journey from party girl to single mum, finding sobriety and how spiritual healing and therapy helped her turn her life around. Hannah's husband died in 2019 and Hannah talks about her experience with grief and how that took a toll on her mental and physical health. Hannah's life so far has been truly inspirational and I'm sure you will love hearing her share her story. Hi, Hannah. Welcome. How are you doing, Hannah? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really, really happy and grateful to be here with you today. Thank you. Well, Hannah, you have been somebody that I have admired for a long time and you have got many strings to your bow and I was excited to have you on today. First of all, yeah, I'm in in awe of all the work that you do, the photography you produce and all of the stories that you share through your Vulnerable Voice Project. Um, but also just you as a person kind of away from all of your your work and the things that you do in that field um it's more just you as a person kind of radiate this amazing energy and um yeah you've been through I'd say more you've had to kind of overcome more hurdles than a lot of people in life and um yeah just hearing how you got to be where you are today as this successful businesswoman you you've been on a long spiritual journey so I just wondered maybe as a starting point you could give us a little Hannah overview of how you kind of got to where you are yeah wow I've been on a journey I've been on a real journey um and I think you know a pivotal point um in my life when things really started to change was when I had my first daughter so before that I was really I really just think I was a lost soul that's honestly how I think about myself um before I had my daughter and then subsequently got sober which is another part of my story and um I kind of grew up in a family with um two brothers and two sisters a loving family but I kind of always felt like I needed and wanted more attention I went through school feeling like I was the odd kid um and I had a lot of difficulties with some health stuff mental health stuff and I found school a real challenge and I felt from a young age that I, without realising, sabotaged myself through school. So I just kind of would fail at everything because I was too scared of succeeding, I guess. Um, And that kind of set my mindset throughout my my young teens and later teens. And then I discovered, um, you know, drinking um, and partying. And that became my escape from what felt like a very just difficult kind of childhood for different reasons. Um, And so I spent um, a lot of my time going from job to job, relationship to relationship, um, and ultimately being, as I said, like a lost soul. Searching, I was searching for who I was meant to be. Um, I was searching for, you know, who am I in this world? What am I meant to do? And I always felt like I had this purpose that I needed to find. It was many years of feeling quite um, lost. And then um, it happened that I got pregnant with my my first daughter, Elphine, and that was not planned. And I ended up as a single parent. And, you know, that journey in itself, I was only 21 at the time, um, was kind of like a, you know, a life changing pivotal moment for me where I realised that I wanted to be a good mother. But how could I possibly be a good mother if I was still 
a lost child myself. So I really felt like that was kind of a starting point of where I could see that I wanted to make changes to my life. And I couldn't carry on being a party girl, being a mum. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be there for my daughter. So um, I met um, a guy called Frankie um, when Alfie was nine months old. And I, um, he didn't drink and I was just like, at first I didn't really think that much of it, but I really did drink and I was like, you know, a party girl. And then as we kind of, you know, got into a relationship and got close, so I, because he didn't drink, I started to look at my drinking and think and see how actually it was not healthy the way that I drank. I wasn't like a daily drinker, but I was a binge drinker and I was a party, you know, party for three days kind of girl. And obviously that wasn't, you know, I couldn't do that with a kid. Um, so I did start to look at, at that aspect of my life and why I was drinking too. Um, and I made the decision um, or the decision was made for me because I got myself into a situation which some people call rock bottom where I then decided, you know what, um, I could lose this boyfriend Frankie I've got right now that I've just moved in with and who you know, wants to be a part of my daughter's life and my life. Um, so I started going to AA um, in 26th of November 2007 was my first meeting and um, I have to say that was the beginning of what has been 13 years of transformation. It's been an incredible ride Um, and I have to say that even though it's been incredibly difficult um, throughout the last 13 years and there's been loads of loads of challenges I've also had the chance to feel real happiness within myself and to to grow into the woman that I always wanted to be Um, and also find my passion as well, which was becoming a, a photographer and a doula. Yeah, I never I never imagined I would become a photographer. One of my ex-boyfriends used to laugh at how bad I was at taking photos. Really? <laughs> uh, which is really, yeah, literally. So it's quite funny. I actually, um, so I went and studied um, at London College of Fashion after I had Elphine and she was two. And I did a, um, a diploma in, um, in um, fashion media and um, photography was part of that course. Um, but it was a bit later on that I kind of became more interested in photography um, after I had my, my second daughter, Cece. Mm. That has grown into yeah. the business that I have today. Yeah, which is your, your business now is, is huge. You've photographed many, many people and um, yeah, you're your images are just absolutely stunning so it makes me laugh to think of <laughs> somebody saying something like that to you although I know you know because we're friends some of your ex-boyfriends haven't necessarily been the kindest souls so it doesn't <laughs> surprise me somewhat that they might um, say something yeah. like that to you but oh well two fingers to them <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of people will resonate with what you said about searching for a purpose in your life and feeling lost and kind of striving to find real happiness. Yeah, I didn't realize that Frankie didn't drink. Yeah, it was in it was very interesting to to meet him and see the differences and you know a guy, I'd just been hanging out with a lot of you know party people in Brighton, everyone that drank and used drugs and um to meet somebody that didn't and was in a successful job and you know tall dark and handsome and yeah it was really a a different experience. I think a lot of people will either recognize in themselves that they have a not very healthy relationship with alcohol or at least know somebody that they may worry about. In my family um, yeah we I do have someone who I worry about 
quite a bit. I find it difficult to... I find it difficult to approach the subject um, because I think listening to you and hearing, um, you know, part of the turning point for you and also with, with Frankie was that you recognized that there was something there that wasn't right and, and you wanted to make a change. Um, it's, yes, it's difficult to get to that point though, isn't it? For some people. It is. And it's, and everybody gets that point at a different time. And if people get to it, cause not everyone does. Um, and then also some people have to go a lot, lot lower than others, as in it has to be a lot, lot worse, the situation they're in before they will just make that decision. So for some people that's being in prison, some people that's being in a mental institute, some people that's sleeping on a park bench. For some people it's still holding down an incredible you know, successful job, holding everything together in your life, but you're absolutely emotionally and mentally broken. So like alcoholism, for, you know, a lot of people just think of like a drunk person on a park bench, but it's not, it's, it can be that for some people, but it can also be, you know, incredibly just successful, um, high achieving people. There's a lot of different kinds of um, addicts and alcoholics out there um, and it affects everybody differently so um, I feel like I was actually really really lucky um, touch wood you know that I got sober so young um, mm. because people come in you know to the into the rooms we call it um, in their 50s 60s 70s you know and then they and then they're sad because they're like I have wasted my life you know and now my life is starting because I've got sober and you start getting all these incredible gifts if you follow you know the program and put the work in and I think I think it just takes a huge amount of courage um to make that to do, to make that decision to make the change and it's different for everybody you know it is different mm. for everybody and I think the for me the fear of what would happen if I went back to that world has has been a huge factor in not making me go back there you know and then also being really being a parent has been like a, a huge factor for me because I want to be you know I want to be a sober good parent you know mm. and um I don't feel I could be a good parent if I was back out there and then also it's the gifts you know the things that I have achieved um in the last 13 years um both you know in in work in business but also in within myself and the journeys that I've gone on um having my children um I don't I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things and experience what I've experienced if I wasn't sober I can mm. I know that 100 percent yeah because you mentioned um that self-sabotage was kind of a, a feature of your life and like what does what does self-sabotage actually mean like for you because like, it's something I know that I've read quite a bit you know in um yeah. <laughs> the self-help books that I read about <laughs> self-sabotage and kind of looking out for it but what does self-sabotage mean to you um what it used to mean to me before I got sober was very much um a belief for example, if I took on a new job that um, I couldn't possibly be successful in this job, 
because I'm just rubbish. And so instead of persevering, like and having the courage to persevere and plug away and build confidence and make it a success, I would do something to end it. So I would not show up or I would basically be unreliable and lose the job on, on purpose. Look, you know, at the time I didn't realize I was doing it, but essentially I was sabotaging that experience. And I did the same in relationships. You know, I would get with somebody lovely for you know the lovely um excitement and then six months and then it's six months used to be like that's it <laughs> you know this is getting real now and I now I know looking back I was what I was realizing is this person is going to see the real me and they couldn't possibly love me for who I am so I need to end this now and that was my pattern with relationships um so that was what self-sabotage um, used to look like for me mm. and so I mean now obviously you have achieved so much and you have had you know a long and loving relationship and I know sadly Frankie died not long after Eden was born the habit of self-sabotage you stopped it you were able to to start to love yourself I guess because otherwise those patterns of self-sabotage would have would have carried on if you couldn't learn to kind of love yourself I mean how how did you start I'm, I'm guessing obviously the the sobriety was a big part of learning to love yourself but what what else did you what else took you on that journey the two main things that started me on that journey were number one was sobriety and then the other one was working with this um this sort of spiritual therapist I call him who I've been working with for 13, 13 years and we um i that alongside sobriety I did a lot of work with him on going back and healing trauma from my past and it was extremely hard and so was sobriety like sobriety getting sober is really 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 hard um and so working on those two things simultaneously while uh raising my children first of all Elphine by herself and then when Frankie and I had um, a second child, we had Cece. Um, but it was, it really was working through um, difficult stuff. And that brought up a lot of anger, that would bring up a lot of grief. And it, and it was a case of like going through it instead of going around it. Because I feel like a lot of people that experience um, difficulties and trauma and everybody in life experiences those at some level throughout their life. Um, and a lot of the time we, um, especially if, as if we're children, we put it into a box, our brain to protect us, puts it in a box and stores it away. Um, and as adults, we do that as well. Um, but the thing is, if we don't work on them and heal them, then they come up um, in other ways in our life, you know, in, in behaviours. So that could be in, you know, in drinking or behaviours or whatever it is you do. So um, I started unpicking that stuff with with my therapist and in my program and um it, you know and as I stuck with it, it it kind of gradually started to bring in some some happiness and some self-love um but it was really really hard and um you know there were many years of of difficulties going through it but there was always um, a feeling of relief and healing that just kept coming. And then you do the next little bit. I'd, I'd actually never heard of the term of a spiritual therapist. I guess for me, like mm. listening to Oprah's 
um super soul sunday or listening to like oprah's books or deepak chopra or something like that for me i guess is a kind of spiritual therapy but i didn't realize that you could kind of seek out something like that what um so if if other people might be listening and they may never have heard of that either what what do you think a spiritual therapist brings that a psychologist what's the difference if you know if you can explain or um (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me exactly what it was and it's actually really really hard to explain so I'll try and explain in basic terms but so my spiritual therapist is basically a a Kabbalah or Kabbalah teacher so if anybody's heard of Kabbalah um it's um it's not something I know a huge amount about because I don't do Kabbalah classes with him or groups. I just work with him one-on-one. But what all I can say to kind of explain what we do is we do something called inner work, um, which is going in uh, on a deeper level to your subconscious. You have to be very open and you have to trust whatever comes into your mind, whether it's images or symbols or words. And then we go back and we've done a lot of work on uh, previous traumatic experiences that I've had. Mm. um, And then on, you know, um, daily struggles and all kinds of things but all I can say without being able to explain really what it is is that for me it's been abs- it it saved my life um mm. alongside sobriety um and it's just it's been absolutely incredible and it opened me up to seeing different things about myself and understanding myself and the way that my brain works as well and understanding you know that that voice that tells you know might tell me for example oh you look really ugly today actually you know what that voice is the liar I know Mm. that voice is not the truth um and so being able to to define that you know to show to see the difference between the truth and the lies within yourself that everybody lives in on on a daily basis it really helped me to step back and have perspective on on my behaviors um the way that I am as a person um to look more deeply um at at behaviors of mine that weren't healthy and that I wanted to change um and then with him and then with other things that I've um done and also through the work that I did um giving birth to each of my children because that was very much like a spiritual healing journey Mm. um those things have been just you know a huge huge part of of my life for over a decade now yeah no absolutely and I know it is is difficult to explain those things um but yeah what you get from it is yeah what everything that you've just said is really clear like what you've how you've benefited from from that kind of work and I think it takes it takes a lot to try and kind of delve in and separate yeah your I guess your kind of ego or those kind of negative voices that you hear in your head and and trying to really have that belief in your in your core self um and Mm. I know it's something yeah that when I listen, like I said, to Oprah or um, Eckhart Tolle or something like that, it's, mm. that's the kind of things that, that they talk about. Um, and I find that massively helpful. So I imagine having that kind of one, one-on-one would, yeah, would be so, would be so brilliant. Um, so it's really good that you've talked about that today. Cause I, I imagine there's lots of people out there that don't know that that sort of thing exists. So um, I think and it's, it's not amazing. for everybody, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, it's, for specific people that are open to those kind of things but that's the same with anything isn't it it's just yeah. 
it, what works for some doesn't work for others. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that one thing that um, I'm also kind of interested to hear from you is, yes, you've obviously put in an awful lot of work and, um, and I think, what I'm noticing in kind of just our society in a whole is that you know people they might think oh like I just need to get to this point in my life and then finally you know I will arrive at the point of happiness but actually you know wherever (laughs) wherever you are in your life there's always hurdles um even if you're not kind of foreseeing them and also on a daily basis you have to kind of put the work in and it's not like you know you see a see a therapist for six weeks and then magically you know you're fixed or whatever like it's it's a daily practice so do you what do you find in terms of kind of tipping the balance in your favor trying to kind of even keep your head above water I know some days that's not easy but um yeah do you have any kind of practices that you do on a daily basis or even weekly Mm -hmm. to try and yeah, yeah keep yourself as happy as you can so I love all of that about what you just said because um like you said trying trying to strive to get somewhere to find happiness which is really what I call um perfectionism because it's something that I've struggled with my whole life um and it's that it's like that feeling like oh if I could just you know if I could just get this then I'll be happy if I could just get that then I'll be happy um but it's not even so simple in your head you know it's it's more of a subconscious thought and it's something that I've been um dealing with for a really long time and it's definitely something that I think is is a struggle and I still struggle with it in terms of you know I'm really driven with um all, with everything in my life like if I do exercise I want to do it to like right I want to get to competition standard um you know when I um uh, I don't know um with my photography you know I want to it's I want to get it to this level and and so I definitely have struggled with that because um and I've really gone back to this over the last year as well, where um, obviously I went through the trauma of losing my husband. And um, before he got ill, I was, I would say I was in quite a good stable place mentally and working obviously still working on the perfectionism and all, all the stuff, but in quite a stable place and keeping up with my program. And then um, after losing him, I obviously was thrown back into feeling like, um, well, I was living in, in on adrenaline and in shock for over a year, and that took a massive toll on my body and my mental health. And it's quite, amu- it's not funny really, but this time last year um, was only a few months after he died and I was back shooting births and I was planning trips abroad and I was doing all the things. And I was like, I am good. You know, I'm dealing with this really well. And um and then having meltdowns, you know, crying in a puddle of tears. But it wasn't until this January that then my body suddenly said, that's it, you cannot live like, you know, you can't physically live on this adrenaline anymore. So that really sucked because then I went into a massive decline in my mental and physical health, um, which forced me to then get, I actually hired um, a life coach and, I was stuck I was I felt completely stuck physically I was struggling with uh, symptoms of chronic fatigue and ME again which I've had in the past um I had gut issues I was just I was so exhausted I could barely get through the day um and then mentally I felt like I was um 
paralyzed so I couldn't kind of make steps to make progress in my business and I couldn't make steps to progress in in any area of my life I just felt really stuck so um, I started reaching out for for help and um, I also had a few months earlier started listening to um, various like inspiring coaches and speakers um, so I started listening to Tony Robbins initially who um, is, is an incredible life coach. So most people will have heard of him. And um, I really like resonated with what he spoke about and I was inspired by, by his, his talks. And then I started listening to um, other people as well, like Mel Robbins. And I started to get a little spark of, you know, of hope again, really. Um, and then working with my life coach, we started working through stuff again. And um, so throughout this year, I've, I've had so many kind of difficulties with, you know, everything that I've been through that I've had to put practices back into place um, on a daily basis because um, I find that with them, I, you know, I, I can do the things I just couldn't do. I literally would just small things. I was so paralyzed. I would walk past, you know, piles of washing and I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it or I'd see emails and I couldn't bring myself to reply to them. Um, so I started doing, I've got kind of a bit of a routine, which I do now, which is I listen to something inspiring every single day. So it might be a podcast, it might be a motivational speech or an audio book. Um, and I might just listen to 20 or 30 minutes, but I listen to something, it's usually longer and I listen to something every single day. Um, Mel, all of Mel Robbins books, um, I've found unbelievably inspiring and have really helped me. Um, I started implementing something called the five second rule which a lot of people will know about if they know about Mel Robbins. And it's as simple as when my alarm goes off, I go five, four, three, two, one. And by one, I'm standing up. Um, there's no snoozing because um, scientific research shows that, you know, by hitting the snooze button, your brain goes into a different state and you will struggle to be motivated for the rest of the day. Um, oh, wow. I didn't it's know that. Been life changing. And I've recommended the book to so many people as well. Um, and I find when I wake up um, early in the morning, so it depends what's going on, but generally I'll try to be up um, between um, sort of five and six um, in, in, a good, in a good week. And um, I get up and first of all, I do meditation. So it might just be a five minute meditation, um, but the first thing I do is do a meditation or sometimes I do um, something called priming, which Tony Robbins um, teaches you about, which basically primes your brain for the day and it includes visualization. Um, and then I go downstairs and I don't look at any emails or any social media on my phone for at least an hour when I wake up. Um, and what I do is I go downstairs, I take my probiotics and then I put, usually put on an audiobook or an inspiring speech while I make my celery juice because I have an obsession with celery juice, which I have <laughs> also have every single morning. And that's been an amazing part of healing my, my gut issues and other health issues that I've had. Um, so I do my celery juice. Um, and then I try and wait an hour before I look at anything on my phone because I just want to have that hour um, to just prep my brain really for the day. And if you immediately look at your phone and start looking at social media or emails, when you wake up, you're actually putting yourself into a state of fear before you've even got out of bed. Um, because you see an email and you realize you haven't replied to it or you see something that 
upsets you on social media and you're already putting yourself into that state before you've even got you know got out of bed for the day so that's something that I found really really helpful um and then throughout the day um because sometimes I've I've really found it so difficult this year to to organize my thoughts just to have a productive work day and I definitely think I'm ADHD as well <laughs> mm. um, so I will you know I have a whiteboard I make a schedule and then I also do things like I'll do 25 minute timer work for 25 minutes have a five minute break and do that on repeat for a few hours um, and then I use the five second rule throughout the day if I'm struggling so just if I'm if I can feel myself procrastinating on something I need to do before I found the five second rule I actually started saying to myself just do it now do it now and <laughs> and so it, I didn't realize I was actually putting into practice this five second rule which is based on science yeah. um and so I try and implement that throughout the day as well to to get things done that I that I struggle with um so that's kind of how I start my day and then um I try to practice gratitude on a daily basis so ideally it would be a gratitude list or journaling or it's just a sitting and, and and having a meditation of gratitude um that's a huge one for me is when you're in gratitude you can't be in fear and you can't be in anger so putting myself in a place of gratitude whether it's through writing a list of what I'm grateful for visualizing who and what I'm grateful for um or you know talking about it um that's been that's a huge thing for me and that also comes from sobriety because um that's a big part of of sober life um those are some of the main things and then um exercise is a huge one for me so moving my body um if i'm in a and this is something i learned from tony robbins from mel robbins and other coaches that if you're in a state of um fear or anger or whatever it's you know any negative state the best thing to do is to change your physiology so you don't feel like doing it and you probably never will but you even even if it means putting on some loud music and dancing around the room like crazy you will feel better as soon as you change your physiology so um that's something that's important for me and I'm I'm also love my exercise um as you know I do weightlifting um and so for me exercise is like a massive thing for me so I I need to be training but also this year I've learned and my perfectionism you know as I said I want to train and I want to do CrossFit and I want to get to competition standard but the amount of um, emotional and physical stress that has been on my body this year has meant that I can't push it to those levels as much as I want to. And I've had to really um, work on having acceptance around self-care and mm. understanding when it's okay to take a break from exercising if it's making you ill. <laughs> mm. um, and that's been a really big struggle for me and something I've been working on a lot with my, my life coach and, um, it's it's been a battle because um I'm like why you know exercise is my therapy I need to exercise but then it's like well actually if it's making you ill you you've got to take a break and you can do some stretching or you can do some yoga you can still move it's not all or nothing it's it's a case of letting yourself have acceptance and loving you know towards towards yourself which is something that I've been learning again this year um mm. is, is how to have self-love yeah gosh I mean the, everything that you've just said there I mean I'm so glad that this is being recorded because I want to like just bottle up that it's just the, those pearls of wisdom that you just shared I mean it's really um it really is quite 
transformational. And I think as well, it takes discipline, like to do all of the things that you that you do. It takes such discipline. And it's something um, that I've, you know, talked about with other people a lot. And I guess, I did always try to, I think I tried to push away discipline because I felt as though discipline was like regimented and didn't allow spontaneity and flexibility. But actually discipline is one of the biggest kind of acts of self-love because you know that doing all of these things helps keep you in the best place that you can be. You know, obviously there's there's good and bad days and that's life. Um just because you do all of these things doesn't mean that's it forevermore you're eternally happy but you're you're working really hard to make your life as positive as you can and give yourself those kind of reserves to deal with things when when they crop up you touched on obviously um losing Frankie and and you know what grief did to you and the kind of delayed effects of grief he was he wasn't ill for very long and then you know and then you lost him so kind of I I can't I don't think you can ever say overcome because grief is something that you live with you know forever it's not a linear a linear journey so um again doing all of these rituals as much as you can helps you to kind of deal with that but I know there'll be a lot of people listening who are who are going through grief and um yeah I mean is there anything else that you want to say yeah about grief or things that you've learned about that that you weren't expecting it's a different experience for everybody is what I think and I think it's probably an individual experience for everybody it's still ongoing and my children are still very much grieving but it has been um I could I could just never expected what it would be like because I've I've never lost somebody before this who was this close to me I'd lost you know grandparents um and but no one who I've never experienced this kind of loss and um it was just surprising how physical it was as well as emotional um it was very surprising and um I think one of the things, there were different things that carried me through. And one of them was that I had a ritual that I would say to myself, which was I choose happiness. And that that didn't mean that I wasn't choosing to grieve because I very much have. Um, and I've been, it's been, you know, the darkest times that I've ever experienced. Um, but just knowing that um, I know for a fact that Frankie wanted me to be happy because he told me that. And I had a choice as in, yes I could have you know just lost the plot and ended up on all kinds of medications not that there's anything wrong with that because some people need them but I could have literally just given up on life um but I just for me that's that wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to do the opposite and I wanted to just see how I could try and bring myself through it and my children through it and and get myself to happiness and us to happiness again and that's been kind of one of the things and you know I would love also really love to mention that I met somebody um not that long after Frankie passed away and um I never expected to meet somebody and fall in love which I did and Mm. I met and you know Chris and you've met him and he has been um he really has been the most incredible you know constant to me throughout the last year and he I don't think I could have got through the last year without him so I've gone off I have gone off um no 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 um you haven't uh, no but that is you know I think I think there's a lot 
of um, stigma around losing a husband or a wife or a partner. And, um, you know, I think it's really important for you to mention, Chris, because, um, you know, I, I've never experienced this personally, but I know, you know, from things that I've read about, yeah, losing husband or wife and yeah, how families deal with when there's a, a new person on the scene and the difficulties that sometimes come with that. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes they're welcome with open arms, but yeah, um, yeah. it's not an easy thing. So you, you, again, you, it's just a kind of an example of you, you know, you put yourself out there and um, I think that shows quite um, um, a huge amount of bravery on your part. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it was um, it was certainly unexpected. I didn't go out looking to get into a relationship, but it happened and it really felt like it was divinely it was divinely organized mm -hmm. by someone else for me. Yeah, <laughs> um, because, you know, and I, there was a, I, there was a lot of shame on my part around it at the beginning. I felt very shameful. Um, to have met someone and experiencing happiness with them while at the same time going through unbelievable trauma and grief it's a really really weird place to sit mm. and to hold those two spaces um, mm. and be holding the space for my children but you know we've been together for over a year and um he's an unbelievable person and yeah i feel like um my families are becoming more supportive and and accepting of it but it definitely wasn't easy um it wasn't easy you um you touched on the fact that you have a life coach I mean life coaching what is that yeah <laughs> it's interesting so I first when I first looked for a coach I actually was introduced to her her name's Chelsea um through Chris um, he'd had her on his podcast and she's actually also what's called a gut coach yeah. and so she's like a health coach um, and she basically um, I reached out to her initially because I was having a lot of issues with my gut my gut health and that's been something that's been prevalent throughout my life and I've just been around so many I've been through so many um, experiences trying to heal my gut problems from doctors to you know to um, nat naturopaths to different diets to this to that and yeah it's always something that comes up for me when I've been through trauma and difficulties and so I started working with Chelsea and initially I thought she was just going to you know give me like a diet to follow um, and recommend some supplements and you know help me with my my gut health um, and we there were elements of that um, that we did but as I delved in deeper with her um, the longer we worked together realizing how it, she's not just a gut coach it, she's a life coach and that meant that we were working on um, all these different areas of my life that I was struggling in and she very much from a coaching perspective so helping me to find the answers um, with her gentle um, support for myself instead of giving me the answers like this is what you need to do mm -hmm. um, we would have sessions together and we would focus on different different things in those sessions it was initially around um, healing my gut and we did something called a that she does called the gut health reset and her name's Chelsea Haynes by the way um yeah. <laughs> and that was it was amazing and it really did help but um what I realized going through the healing of my gut was a huge part of healing the gut was from a mental perspective 
um, instead of just what you put in your body. Um, it's really about how you feel about your body and about your about your life and your decisions and you know your relation. We've worked on you know my relationship around money. That's a huge one that we're still working on. We've looked at my relationships with other people, my relationship with my body, um, and that's been massive um, mm. and done healing work around it um, and had breakthroughs and had huge amounts of resistance on my part um and then coming through you know breaking through it and realizing um how amazing it is to work with her um she's really very much like she's quite spiritual as well and she's very intuitive um and yeah I absolutely adore her I've been working with her for nearly a year now and um, that has been transformational as well for me Mm, amazing yeah it's um certainly something that I'd quite like to look into I think getting a life coach is just um well I I, yeah I mean I've started seeing a business coach and that's even that's just been yeah it's just so it's so nice to yeah have somebody that's kind of there for you to um yeah I help help kind of keep you motivated in a positive direction I think it's it's really nice to have that Um, yeah it's definitely I feel like um there's been a lot of investment into into these things and into me but actually I think it's really important in order to to go out there and and create successful a successful life and a successful business um you do need to work on yourself um especially when you've been through you know difficult times yeah no definitely and I think that's it when you when you are open to working on yourself and self-development and growth and you know your intentions and gratitude that is when you can kind of start to find what happiness feels like um and yeah just be open-minded to to working on yourself it really makes a huge huge difference um thank you Hannah you are incredible and I'm so grateful to have you in my life and I know that anybody listening to this is going to find it just hugely useful and I think there's so many things huge topics that we've touched on here today Um, I'll make sure that we have links um, you know to all of the things that we've mentioned where's the best place to connect with you is it via your um, website or Instagram no I'm Instagram's my favorite place so I'm at Hannah Palamara honestly feminine for my photography um, and that's my favorite hangout okay. where most people can find me amazing thank you Hannah you thank are you so wonderful thank you uh, my love <laughs> yeah I love you loads and um, you. yeah thanks Hannah